Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is fully funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 4,000 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. We are pleased to have you join us this season for our winter edition of It's Time For You. With over 65,000 listens on our podcast, we thank you for joining us. In this episode of It's Time For You, I'm joined by Dr. Sue Hatcher to explore the key stages of a used reproductive cycle that can be managed to improve productivity. Sue is the Director of Make and Outcomes, an independent research and consultancy company based in Orange in New South Wales, specialising in the development and delivery of national livestock training programs, data analysis and reporting, scientific reviews, change management and technical editorial services. Sue has a passion for the sheep and wool industries and her diverse research portfolio includes genetic improvement of wool production, wool quality, reproductive performance, wool processing, wool meteorology and fibre identification, breeding ewe management, lamb and weaner survival and wild dog predation. Welcome Sue and thank you once again for joining me on It's Time For You. Good morning Fiona, thank you for having me on the program. So when we're looking at the breeding ewe, it's such an important component of our merino production cycle. What should we be considering? So when we're considering the breeding cycle, people look at their whole, the whole flock. So the, there's not one thing that they can do that's going to change. They need to really look at their whole flock and understand how each component of the um, breeding cycle interacts um, together to give you that net result. Um, people also need to have a really to understand the current performance of their flock because if we start considering the performance of the breeding ewes from weaning all the way through to the next weaning that whole breeding cycle over a 12-month period there's lots of things that can be done to make improvements there's lots of different strategies you can put in place and to really understand which of those strategies is going to have the best benefit for your enterprise you really need to understand the current performance of your flock understand where things are going well, understand where things might not be going so well, and that will really help you to identify which strategy or strategies you can do at what time to really generate some really good improvement. So we'll only have time today just to talk about the use. So if we break it down and we take the other components out of the cycle, what are the key areas of interest when we're looking at the breeding ewe? So managing and how you manage your breeding ewe sets herself up for her performance over the breeding cycle, but also sets up the lifetime performance of how, um, of how her lambs are gonna, are gonna grow throughout their lifetime. So it sets up how the ewe's own performance and how she sets up her ovulation, how, how it sets up um, her you know, centre of the growth, the ewe condition, and how it sets up um, other development and colostrum, and then that feeds into how the lamb grows, birth weight, early growth, and how they grow onto their targets as well. So we need to start thinking about um, 
the, the weaning to joining period is a key time because that's when the ewe recovers lost condition from her previous um, previous lambing and that we want to set her up well for her next lambing. And then the next critical point is that sort of mid-pregnancy part, which we'll talk about a little bit later, when really the energy demands of pregnant versus single versus, you know, pregnant ewes where they're carrying a single or a twin really start to change. And particularly through sort of late pregnancy lactation, we'll talk a bit later about how their requirements can be quite different. Um, so you've got to think about, and then managing that lambing time as well. So we know that, um, you know, most lambs, um, if, if they're gonna if they're gonna succumb, they'll do that in the first couple of days of lambing. So setting things up for a good ewe lamb bond, good lambing paddocks with the right amount of food is really critical. So we'd be looking at that weaning to joining, mid-pregnancy, and that sort of lambing, that early lambing period as well. So let's um, nut out some of these key key times and. I'm going to start with joining, although it's just a big circle. And so obviously, as you've just pointed out, the lead up to get them into joining is a really crucial time. So what should we be thinking about around this joining period? Well, I think one of the most important decisions any producer can make is just what is the best joining time for them. And we know things have changed in, um, you know, over the years. And, just, and because you've had the same joining time for 10 or 20 years or more, it's time, it's, I think it's a really good time now with the change in the industry um, to really start thinking about and have a good look again, is, is, is where I'm joining now the right time? So you need to consider a few things. We need to um, consider um, matching the different classes of stock on your flock, matching their nutritional requirements to, um, to the pasture feed. And it's always involving a few trade-offs, okay? So if you're thinking about from a breeding new point of view, managing the ewe performance to available pastures. So as your pasture's peaking in quality and quantity, that's when your new nutritional demands are the same in pregnancy. So that, that's a really effective way of, of getting um, good performance out of your ewes. But of course, the trade-off for that is, is that when you want your weaners to grow and, and, and achieve their performance, you've been locked in to potentially um, supplementary feeding because they'll, they'll, they'll be needing the extra requirements after that peak of pasture's gone. So that's one thing to consider. It's also important to consider the natural breeding cycle of use. So we know that if you're, um, you know, if you're joining between December and June, that fits in with the natural cycle of, 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 of when, you, when ewes are naturally going to be cycling. Um, and if you're joining out of that period, so from July, August, September, October or November, you need to start thinking about ways where you can actually get the ewes cycling. So that might be using teasers, um, or something like that to get the use cycling. And it's also really important to think about other enterprises you've got going on your property because we know we've, we've talked about the key areas for, for breeding new management. And if they're clashing with other areas, if you're a mixed farming property, if it's clashing with seeding or, or harvest, we need to make sure that we can actually give each enterprise the time it needs when it needs it. So I think that's another important thing. And also like shearing time, we need to make sure our shearing time is happening at a time when we're not interrupting, um, you know, ewes with young lambs, we're not shearing too close to joint, to, um, to lambing, and we're not shearing at a time that where we might be having an impact on wool quality um, as well. So there's a lot of things to consider, but there are some really good tools out there. And I talked during the webinar about the lambing planner, so that's available um, as an app on the smartphone, or you can still get a hard copy, you can Google them. And, um, and work out where you can get them from. 
But that's a really good tool because it allows you to actually sit down and have a look. And once you sort of look at different joining times, it's got a map of all the other key parts of the cycle and when they occur during the year. So you can really sit down and do some good what-if scenarios. And what if I've changed my joining here earlier or later and see how that maps out the breeding cycle and you can really see how that might clash with other things going on on the property. Yeah, there certainly are a lot of scenarios that can come out of that. And I really enjoyed our webinar, which we had a couple of weeks ago, that talked about all those different scenarios and how you could map them out and plan them. So once we've looked at in joining time and if we're sticking with the joining time we've had for a while or we're changing it up a little bit, how long should we then join for? What's the um, ideal joining length? So the ideal joining length, um, the industry um, benchmarks, is, is around that sort of 35-day cycle, which is two 17-day ovulation cycles. So, so research and also commercial experience on properties has shown that if you sort of join for more than that five-week period, you're only really getting an extra 5% or so of viable land. So it's really, really not worth it. We know that in that first 17-day cycle, if your ewes are in sort of good condition, you've hit your condition score targets, that generally about 75% of your ewes are going to conceive in that first cycle. And then that drops off a little bit. Um, we also know that, you, that, that ewes will be, more ewes will be in estrus every day in that first 17-day cycle. Um, a few are less in that second 17-day cycle and a whole lot less in the third. So really, um, you know, if you give your opportunities, those two 17-day cycles, we generally believe that about 95% of your use will, give, will, will actually conceive. Um, and the other thing that does too is it gives you a nice, short, sharp landing period. And that also helps you manage um, pasture availability and worm control in, in the landing paddocks but it also gives you a much shorter um, age range in your weaners. So when you get to talking about weaner survival and managing your group of weaners, it's much easier to manage a group which have a much closer age range because you're taking off that tail, you're taking off all those lambs that may have been conceived at a later estrus cycle um, that are always going to be the lighter weight, younger ones are going to be harder to manage. Sue, so when we're tightening up the joining length, is there a benefit to flushing the ewes? Oh, this is this is a question that comes up a lot because there's been a whole heap of research um, over the last 20 or 30 years about flushing. And depending on the experimental design, depending on where it was conducted, depending on the condition of the use, the results have been, um, you know, have been quite variable. But just recently, there was a really good review published um, that that took took a took 20 years of research of a whole lot of different ex um, experiments on sheep in Uruguay. And um, the work was conducted um, in conjunction with the University of Western Australia um, scientists. So it's a really excellent review that looked at all this work and put everything into context. And the review found that the benefit of flushing depends on the fertility, so whether your ewes are ovulating, and the prolificacy, so what's the ovulation rate. So, so it's really important if people are going to start thinking about whether I need to flush my ewes, it really just means giving them a burst of nutrition at, at a specific time before joining. They need to look at where are they now? So where does, where does their, their flock sit? If, if their ewes are already at that condition score target of about three, which is recommended for joining, flushing's not likely to have any effect. Um, so it's really important to think about what's their body condition score at joining and what they're currently eating, because that will have an impact. And so if the condition score is good and we've met the targets, what else could be going wrong? 
So from a fertility point of view, so if, if, your, if your condition score is, is at target level and you're still finding that you're getting lots of dry ewes and ewes aren't um, unovulating potentially, um, if, if you're joining out of season, consider using teasers. Have a good look at your ewe health. Is there something going on there that, that may be not quite easy to see that's impacting? And also checking your rams, making sure they're, they're up to scratch and that ramping up repro um, one day workshop that AWI has um, put together and made available through the networks is a really good way of just setting up your ramps for success. Um, but of course, if the condition score is below the target and you know that, that ovulation is an issue, um, the, the review recommends that energy is more important than protein. And they found that for each additional one megajoule of ME intake was associated with about 2.3% um, more use ovulating. So you can start thinking about um, for about, you know, for about one, one sort of length of cycle, one 17-day cycle, perhaps giving, um, making more energy available to the ewes will help will improve um, ovulation. So, so thinking about ovulation itself, and we just talked about giving people more, giving the ewes more energy, but um, how, how does um, flushing work with improving, you know, ovulation by getting more twins in your flock, really sort of ramping up that? And what the review found was that um, crude protein intake is, is quite important because even though it's glucose that triggers the ovulation, um, ovulation the mechanisms that, that improve ovulation rate, um, the extra additional protein or crude protein you're giving actually moves through the rumen, is absorbed into the small intestine, and that sort of helps get the glucose rate up. So, um, each additional gram of crude protein gives about a 0.1% increase in ovulation rate. Um, and again, if your BCS level is below target um, at joining, then perhaps sort of a flushing for 12 or so days before joining. Um, if, you're, if you're working, if your user on native pasture, maybe give them some polar digestible protein or feeding leg, legumes with the protected protein that will pass through the rumen to get that um, extra protein take in the small intestine. So Sue, once we've got our ovulation rates up and correct, we can't talk about managing pregnancy, uh, man, managing our brooding ewes without talking about pregnancy scanning today. So let's move on to pregnancy scanning now. And what is the important information that pregnancy scanning can give growers about where their flock sits or even how they may have responded to that extra nutrition? Look, that, that's right. Pregnancy scanning is a really, a really important tool for managing um, breeding flock, and, and for, for for more than one reason. So, first of all, um, the scanning information we, we know there's a strong relationship between condition score um, at joining and scanning percentage. So, we know that the better condition you are in at joining, generally there's a linear relationship. More, more, um, more use will um, will get pregnant and will have twins. But we also know that that's that's quite variable between flocks. So we've, we've worked, we did um, the, the national project team with the Lifetime U project and I know there's a current um, project going on now where we're looking at differences in responsiveness of, of flocks. So, so your flock could be highly fertile with a higher reproduction rate and not very responsive to condition score at joining and that means really that that sort of weaning to joining period isn't the pinch point for your flock and maybe you'll be better off putting your effort somewhere else. But if you have a low fertility flock with a low response, so you might only be getting an extra four, four lambs per um, condition score, but you're starting at a low point, then really thinking about working hard on that weaning to joining period, getting your ewes back into condition, 
um, maybe feeding with protein or energy to increase um, uh, ovulation rate and, and ovulation itself might be important for your flock. So scanning really really helps give you like a measure of how responsive your flock is, particularly if you're tied up with condition score adjoining. And it can start to, to help you make decisions about which part of the flock do I, which part of the breeding cycle do I focus my effort on. So you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast one of the main times that's important for a breeding ewe is mid-pregnancy, and this is because the nutritional requirements of the singles and twins start to diverge. So that sort of highlights the importance of scanning because we need to know what they're carrying. What's happening at this stage? Yeah, well, that's right. And, and what I mean, it's it's really clear that um, all the research is really clear on this is that that that, that dry ewes, single bearing ewes, and twin ewes have very very different nutritional requirements from about you know about that sort of mid pregnancy onwards. So they start to diverge in energy requirements from about day seventy five. Um, but also it's protein as well. We need to, their protein requirements change as well. So if we just think about twin bearing ewes, from day 100 to, to up to lambing, they require 15% more energy than single bearing ewes. And once you get sort of into lambing and into that sort of when, when, when things ramp up in terms of um, uh, lactation and the energy demands increase anymore, and that's 25% more energy than a single bearing ewe. So, so therefore, you know, the twin and single bearing ewes are quite different animals and you just can't manage them in the same, the same way and it's really difficult to manage them in the one mob because you might be overfeeding some singles and underfeeding the twins. So it's really important to identify those twin bearing ewes and to manage them differently um, to make sure they actually get those energy and protein requirements thereafter. And, and, and it's really important also, a really simple thing you can do is just take the dry ewes away from the breeding ewes because we know twin bearing ewes, their energy requirements are three times as high as what they are as dry as dry ewes. And simply having dry ewes, keeping them in, in with your breeding flock is really just reducing the amount of feed available to the ewes that need it the most, which are those twin bearers. And managing their nutrition is obviously to help maintain this condition score that we've worked hard on to try and get at the beginning. How much of an effect does maintaining this condition score have on different traits like, say, lamb survival? Yeah, so, so keeping the, the, the U in those sort of condition score targets is really important because she needs to actually um, maintain her own body processes as well as provide enough energy, protein to keep the lamb growing or the fetuses growing inside her. Um, and she also needs to have enough energy to get, you know, to to um to have a quick birth, be able to get up and respond and 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 suckle suckle the lambs. And we know from from a lot of work that that the you know condition score at lambing has been related to lamb survival. So for for merino use, um, you know. Low, low nutrition during pregnancy, um, you know, coming through at, um, you know, condition score about 2, 2.5 at lambing really reduces lamb survival compared to if they had high nutrition during pregnancy and they come into lambing at about 3, a bit over 3. The survival rate, you know, jumps up by about 6 or so percent. And that follows through that same 6% difference between high and low condition for single bearing ewes at lamb market. But if we compare that to um, for twin bearing ewes, the difference between high and low condition score or between a two and a three um, at lambing can be, you know, 15% higher lamb survival. 
So for twin news, it's really important. The condition score um, at Lambing is really important to them up for success. And that's sort of flowing through, um, you know, into um, Lamb's marked as well. So just setting the ewes up with that higher condition score, particularly the twin bearers, will flow through because we know that that has important, you know, it gives them, as I said, the energy to get through the birth process, a nice quick birth to stand up and look after their lambs. It also makes sure it can kickstart colostrum and lactation, but also has an impact on birth weight. And we know there's a big impact. You know, birth weight and survival are really intrinsically linked um, and and the higher birth weights, particularly for twin bear, twin lambs, can really um, set them up well for survival and growth into their weaner stage. It's certainly highlighting the benefit of scanning so that you can manage those singles and twins separately. So what components of the diet should we be um, looking at during pregnancy? You spoke about um, crude protein and energy during the joining stage. We're still looking at the same components now and focusing at the same ratios? The ratios will be a little bit different, but energy is generally the most limiting component for breeding use. And protein and energy also increase the importance during lack pregnancy and lactation. But it's really important that they're balanced. So you need to, you know, you need to look at your energy and the protein levels in available in the pasture. And if either one is limiting, to think about how the best way to supplement to get them back into balance. Um, and and that's, that, the energy and protein requirements will change through stage of pregnancy, as I said. They'll increase during mid-pregnancy, they'll increase again in late pregnancy and increase again in lactation. So it's really important to keep track of your feed budget, to recognise it's going to change and to work on your feed budget so it's matching the year requirements over time. So fibre and minerals are also important. So like I said, know what you use need and, and when. Know what, if, what pasture is available in your paddock, the quantity and the quality, and then feed budget using available tools. And there's some great tools out there. People can look for the um, new feed budgeting tools from the Lifetime Rule website, but also New South Wales DPI Drought and Supplementary Feed Calculator is another really great tool to help you do those feed budgets and make sure that your new nutrition during pregnancy is getting the ewes exactly what they need for twin bearers and also the singles. So That's another okay. benefit of, of scanning, and it was a question that was asked during the webinar, and I didn't have a good answer, so I, I chased up some information. So um, I spoke to Phil Graham, who's an advisor down at YAS, who's been working with producers in that area for about 30 years. And, and another benefit of, um, of preg scanning is you can start to identify if you are going to have an issue with food abscess. Because we know that um, food abscess is a bacteria that's present in the gut of all sheep. And so it's in the environment already, particularly in the tablelands environments of, of New South Wales. And we know that you, you body weight is strongly related to, to food abscess. And so what we and what, what we can do then is if if um, when we sort of come up to scanning time, if we know in the year like this year or last year where it's we know it's going to be an issue, and we know that our twin bearing ewes in particular are in good condition, it's really important to try and hold them at that condition. So try and hold them at a three score so they're not going to get too heavy. Because we know that as soon as they um, get too heavy, we think what happens when the sheep walk, their claws spread apart, it exposes the skin to damage, and that's when the bacteria gets in. As soon as the foot abscess starts to form, it affects their mobility, and of course you've got these heavy twin-bearing ewes that can't move around eat, then they get preg tox. So it can be a really big issue. So preg scanning provides you with 
the information in condition with in combination of when they're what their condition is at scanning to think about okay is it likely to be a problem and if it is to really tighten up and don't let those use get too heavy for the last part of pregnancy. So looking further ahead in the cycle now we're looking at lambing through to weaning and it's another important stage mm -hmm. to make sure we're optimising our performance from our breeding use. How important is it to start to get those lambing paddocks set up in advance? Well, look, look, it's really important because we know that the lamb survival is really facilitated by having a strong newborn lamb, a strong lamb and newborn together, and especially with, with, with twin-born lambs. We want them to recognise each other. We want the ewe and the lamb to and the lambs to interact. And so we've got to really set up a really good environment because if this if the lamb environment isn't going to sort of help that new bond, well then all the work we've done so far up until up until lambing, we can sort of it can all be for nothing unless we have a really good lambing lambing um, time. And it's really important to identify, allocate, and manage your lambing paddocks and do it early. So start thinking about. Um, which paddocks am I going to use for lambing? You know, probably adjoining. So you can start to manage their feed quality. You can manage their their worm burden, etc., with grazing, so that when you get to um, lambing, um, you know that you're coming up with paddocks with, with with viable shelter, with good feed availability, with good water. You've managed them for low worm risk, and also in conjunction with your neighbours, you've done a predator control program. So you're giving the ewes and lambs every chance for success. And how early should you move the lambs onto those pre-prepared paddocks? Look, and that's another another benefit of having that pregnancy scanning information because we know the industry recommendations are to move the twin bearers um, onto the best lambing paddocks early. So select your best lambing paddocks in terms of shelter, feed. So we know that um, lambing paddocks for twin bearing use so they have a minimum of 1,500 food and high to very high quality to make sure that we're getting that high protein energy requirements into the ewes and um, sort of move the twin bearing ewes into those paddocks about a week before the first lambs of due. And then your single um, tier, you know, your, your single bearing ewes, they can be moved into your next best lambing paddocks when the first lamb arrives. And that's the recommendations for, for lambing, you know, when you, when you draft and move your animal and that, that's the, the recommendations for getting um, for managing a use based on scanning information. So another thing that comes up in the industry quite often is the argument on mob size. How important is it? How mob size during lambing? Yeah, no, that, that's been the subject of some research in the last um, couple of years because, and it's particularly important for, for twin bearers because, as I said, forming that ewe lamb bond, getting the privacy on the birth site and getting the ewe to recognise both lambs, both lambs following and recognising ewe is really important driver of survival. So we know that within a paddock, um, you know, if the research has shown us that, that lambing ewes in a paddock, they use at less than about 45% of the paddock area, which means that, that they're all, you know, in a smaller part of a paddock, they're all sort of competing for available birth sites. And we also know that for twin-bearing ewes, you're getting more lambs born per day. So you've got this problem of ewes not only using less than half of the paddock, you've got a higher number of lambs born per day with, with twinning moths. And that really sets up potential for mismanagement, for mismothering, interference from other lambs and ewes and really not getting a good bond. And that's where a lot of the work from um, mob sizes come about. 
And so the research has shown, and there was a large project done a couple of years ago where they looked at high and low mob sizes versus high and low stocking rates over 70 properties across Southern Australia. And they found that um, if you can decrease your mob size um, by about 100 ewes for, for twin bearers, that can increase um, the survival of twin-born lambs by 3.5%, which is just reasonably significant number. Um, and again, it's really, it's about, about giving the, the ewes the space to um, actually bond well with their lambs and create that good bond. And so by, by sort of reducing your mob size, really facilitates twin new survival. It also has a benefit on single survival, but it's really the, the sort of twin-born animals where you've got more lambs being born every day that's causing the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Sue, so if we look on now to weaning, why does industry recommend we wean at 14 weeks from the start of lambing? Well, first of all, it's, it, it's to make sure that your ewes can recover condition. So we know that particularly twin-bearing ewes, even though they're going to be on the good nutrition and we're doing everything right, they still will lose condition during lactation. It's a very high demand um, physiological process for use. And so by weaning at 14 weeks from the start of lambing, that gives your ewes more weeks to recover that lost condition prior to the next joining. But we also know from the lamb's point of view that particularly for twin bearing lambs, because even though um, a ewe's having twin lambs, she doesn't produce twice as much milk. She produces about two thirds as much. And so we know that for twin bearing lambs, they actually transition a bit, bit more from just being solid dependent on milk to eating pasture. And, and single lambs do it as well. So we know that sort of by you know, 10 to 11 um, weeks um, following lambing, that single and twin bearing ewes are getting most of what they need from the pasture rather than from the ewe. So the ewe milk production's dropped right off. But also, you know, when you watch um, lambs and ewes grazing, the lambs follow the ewes around. So while they're eating, they're actually eating where the ewes been and what they're doing is they're very good vacuums for any worms that the ewes are leaving behind. So weaning from 14 weeks from the start of lambing means um, it's, it's, it's safer for the, for, the, for the lambs. You're taking them away from that worm burden. You're also taking them away from competing with the adults for the pasture and you're giving the ewes um, more time to respond um, and recover that lost condition before they want to join again. So it's a, it's a busy time when we talk about marking just before we move on now. And how important is it, even though it is busy and there's so many jobs to do, that we wet and dry at this time? Well, wet, wet and drying is, is really important because um, you want to make sure that all the work you're going to invest in your breeding you from, you know, weaning to joining and nutrition is going to pay off because she needs to have a functional udder to be able to um, support the lambs that, that she's having. Um, and we also know, as I, we sort of just talked about before, that you know, as by the time you get to weaning at, at 14 weeks, um, that, that some ewes, your most productive ewes, may have already successfully reared the lambs themselves. And so if you're waiting until weaning to wet and dry your ewes to see if she's reared her lambs, you might actually be penalising those really high-performing ewes that have already done it naturally anyway. So it's really important to, to do the wet and drying at marking so you're not going to confound yourself by, you know, by, by that time at marking, the ewes will, most ewes will still be um, suckling their lambs and you're not going to make that error of perhaps calling a ewe dry or lambed and lost when really she's just been a highly productive ewe that's weaned the lambs for you already. 
and I know you know it's it's a it's a busy time for people, but I think it's we know that other damage increases with age. Um, it can just be a simple mechanical issue, it can be a shearing issue, and we know that as ewes get older, the other damage incidence increases. And so it's really important to take the time to have that check to make sure that um, the ewe who might be otherwise healthy in every other respect, if she hasn't got a fully functional udder, that's really going to start to compromise lamb survival and lamb growth. Um, we know. We know that, that others can compensate, that other might be a little bit damaged, but compared to a sound other, damaged others, they, you know, they yield less milk um, and it's been associated with lower lamb survival, but also lower um, growth and marking rates of, of the lambs themselves. So if, 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 if a ewe might have really good genetics and she's passed those good genetics onto the, onto the lamb, but if the lamb's not getting the milk it needs, um, it's not going to grow as fast, it's really going to put it into a high risk um, Category four for dying um, just after weaning. Sue, so for people who are on our podcast who have been on before, they'll know that I quite like to talk about taking time to stop take or reflecting on performance. And you touched on it at the beginning of this podcast as well about what's going well and working out what's not working for you so you know how to improve and plan for the next year. What are the key times, just to sum up before we go? of the measurements taken in the breeding use life cycle that we should really stop and reflect at the end of a season so we can um, put in place strategies to improve for the coming year? Yeah, no, look, I, no, look I'm, I'm totally totally with you on that one, Fiona. It's really important to understand, particularly when we're talking about breeding your reproduction. As I said at the start, there's so many, so many strategies you can use. It's, it's a complicated cycle that goes for 12 months. It's really important to take a step back, as you say, and have a really good look at what, what's happened um, and to learn from what's happened. Um, so, so in terms of, um, you know, at, at weaning time and even at, at landmarking time, you know, count the number of um, ewes, count the number of um, lambs that come out and match that number to lambing paddocks because then you'll actually get a feel for what are your best lambing paddocks. You can still have information away manage the feed availability and, and allocate those best ones to your twins next time. Um, but also, and, and then, so it's so simple, like at marking, count your ewes, count the lambs out, wet and dry your ewes, understand which ones of your ewes have, have reared the lambs for you. When you get to weaning, count your ewes again and count your weaners again, so you have a benchmark and you can work out your weaning percentage. Um, when you go into joining, count your ewes that go in, condition score ewes or even a sample of your ewes going into joining so you know if they're making those benchmarks. In mid-pregnancy, you know, take account of your, your scanning percentage. Look at how many dry ewes you have, how many single-bearing ewes and, and the ewe condition score again. And all of this information over time, you can build up a really good picture of how your flock's performing. It will really highlight to you um, what your key areas are that you do really well but also really highlight areas where improvement could be made and also will help you decide which of the strategies that are out there you can use to make that improvement. Thanks, Sue. That's some wonderful advice to our growers and it's been a pleasure to have you once again on It's Time For You. Thank you, Fiona. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn, 
We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au. Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.